Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. We are wrapping up Domestic Violence Awareness Week, and unfortunately, I'm bringing you another tragic case where domestic violence was said to be a factor, most definitely. We are covering the case today of Michael Shaver. Have you heard of this case? I don't think so. This was like 2014, 2015. Okay. Um, Someone has been charged and arrested, but the trial has not taken place. Gotcha. So, just start with some backstory here. Michael Shaver and Lori Paddleford were childhood sweethearts. They began dating when they were in the seventh grade. Wow. They lived in Lawrence, New York. Yeah. Seventh grade. 13 years old. Young love. Mm-hmm. Lori was born in October 1982. Michael was born in January 1982. After they left school, Michael trained and worked as a commercial pilot he, um, he found his dream job in the late 2000s as a mechanic at Walt Disney World, and the family relocated to Central Florida. That just sounds like a fun job. It really does, yes. I don't know, fixing all those rides and stuff, maybe. I don't know what he did, but. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't anyway. know, but it says it was his you know, dream job, so yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. The couple lived at 9850 Shady Pines Road in Lake County, Florida, and things were seemingly going really well for the Shaver family. Until about 2014, when this is said to be when their marriage began to fall apart a bit. They had two children. They had bought their house on Shady Pines Road March 25th, 2014. On June 24th, 2014, Mike had texted a friend saying that Lori had filed for divorce the, the night before, the day before. And then... On July 22nd, 2014, there was a domestic violence charge filed against Michael that was later dropped. I don't know the specifics of that. There are, you're going to find that in this case, there are some things that are a little bit unknown, possibly because the trial has not happened yet. Also, shockingly, this takes a really long time to even solve. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Even to, to figure out. So, right now we're in 2014. So that was July 22nd. On August 1st, 2014, Lori Shaver, his wife, crashed her truck into a tree, totaling it on um, Florida Boys Ranch Road. Both children were with her, and both of them were injured. Oh. Lori. Now, was this an accidental thing? Mm, okay. Yes, it was an accident. But Lori claimed that she bent over to retrieve her purse, but neighbors claim she was drinking. Oh. Which was something that she is said to do very frequently, is drink excessively and drive even with the children. Okay. Gotcha. Needing a new truck, she purchased a white new one from a J. Balu, B-A-L-L-E-W, B-A-L-L-E-W, all right? And that was shortly after the crash in August 2014. September 4th, 2014. There's more issues. According to an arrest adv- affidavit that I viewed online, Lori said that the two of two, both her, Michael and her, began arguing over a home like repair job, which 
man, I get it. Have you ever tried oh, to do home gosh. repairs with your partner? Oh, I haven't. Fucketh thee. Even it, is. <laughs> it can be challenging. I'm so glad you brought back fucketh thee. Love fucketh so thee. good. I want it on a shirt. <laughs> I do too. Fucketh But thee. no, even doing things solo, I, I wouldn't want mm-hmm. anybody to see me in that state. No. It's frustrating. You argue with yourself, oh, don't I you? Do. I know. When I I'm do. doing them by myself, I'm irritated with myself the entire yes. time. Yes. Yep. So she said that the argument escalated. And Michael grabbed her arm, shoved her into a wall, and she said then that Michael went into the bedroom, retrieved a forty caliber handgun out of his nightstand, out of his nightstand. She said that they struggled over the gun and that he he hit her in the head with it. She said that she was able to get her car keys out of her pocket and flee with the couple's children to the Target store located in Claremont. The deputy noticed that she had bruising on her arms and back and cuts on her hands and arms and a bruise on her left cheek. That was in the affidavit. When Michael was questioned in the home, he said the argument, yes, they were fighting. It turned violent very fast. He said he couldn't remember who landed the first blow, but he said, I'm sure that I did grab her to calm her down. Absolutely. And he said Lori threw a vase of flowers at him, which shattered against a sliding glass door. He said that she then grabbed the 38, a 38 caliber Cobra handgun out of her nightstand and that she was going to, quote, going to end it now, end quote. He wrestled the gun from her, then grabbed his gun. She ran into the living room. Dang, this is one intense yeah, fight. It is. She ran into the living room where he cornered her. She grabbed the 38, which he had just unloaded. He unloaded the gun. And she struck him in the head with the pistol. He did have a cut on his head. The deputy made note of that. Now, he was arrested as the, quote, primary aggressor. And he entered into a pretrial intervention program. So the charge was dropped at the time. Michael's sister, Stacy, made a post on Facebook that said, quote, along with the domestic violence charges, Lori took off with the kids driving drunk while Michael waited at his home for the police. They were both going to be arrested. Children would have been placed with CPS. So Michael told the police to just take him. So then September 2014, an order of protection was filed against Lori by Lisa Balu. The person who she bought that white truck from uh-huh. filed an order of protection against Lori. Wow. Shaver. Mm-hmm. Lori filed another order of protection against Michael on September 11th, 2014 for domestic violence and then dropped it 11 days later. So it's like, and I don't know the specifics of why this Lisa Balu was, you know, she was uh, yeah. selling her her truck but then felt the need to file this per- so protection order. Mm-hmm. So that's 2014. And you'll understand later why I'm taking us through the years like this. So Lori, it sounds like often will go. Lori like, was violent. NPPO mm-hmm. and then drop it. Yep. Okay. yep. Absolutely. So we're now, I'm going to take you into 2015. April 28th, 2015, the state of Florida recommended to the courts to successfully discharge Michael Shaver from his um, PTI treatment, remember, where they, from the October incident, yeah. or fight September, excuse me, 
when he entered into that PTI program. And the prosecution dismissed the case. He was officially released from his PTI on May 18th, 2015. May, same month, May 2015, Michael and Lori were spotted by a neighbor shooting guns in their backyard. Just like practice shooting, this was a, a pastime for them. Then in the summer of 2015, Lori takes both kids to New York to visit family. Mike contacted the authorities saying he did not want his children to leave the state. So we know things are getting bad again, summer of 2015. Then August 4th, 2015, Lori and Michael filed for an LLC together for a business. Okay. So things are better? Maybe. But Michael's sister, Stacy spoke to Michael October 2015. No one, like, I get the impression that this isn't a family, they're a close family, but this isn't a family that meets up every week and hangs out, okay? So Mike also had a friend, Scott, that went four-wheeling with him on October 11th, 2015. So we've got two people who saw Michael in October 2015. November 7th, 2015, a co-worker spent the day together with Michael at uh, a tractor show in Fort Meade, Florida. That's actually on my birthday. So on my birthday, they went to a tractor show. Oh, wow. The last documented appearance that anyone has of Michael Shaver was at work on November 8th, 2015, where a co-worker, Corey Lutzow, said that he saw Mike when they both clocked out. Okay. So that's November 8th, 2015. November 10th, 2015. Mike did not show up to work, did not call. November 11th, 2015. Mike sends a text to his work that says, quote, I quit, don't contact me, you can keep all my tools. So he's a mechanic at Disney World, but he's going to leave. And it was a dream job. Thousands of dollars worth of tools there. He's just like, I'm done. I'm done. You can keep all my tools. Oh, sorry, my bad. Way to hit the microphone. (laughs) was getting a little parched. I needed a drink. (laughs) Rookie mistake. Rookie mistake. Later, in November 2015, a coworker went to pick Mike up for a truck show that they had actually made plans for previously, the previous month. Mike was not there, and Lori tried to tell the coworker, or yeah, Lori tried to sell the coworker Mike's guns. What? Yep. What's going on with her? Right. And And then- when he was like, no, I'm not going to sell his guns. Like, why would I buy his guns? She literally jumped his shit and completely went off on him. He's just showing up to pick Michael up. Right. Why? Like, this, why would this you escalated. think I, right? You're trying to. <laughs> Very so Mike's, unnecessary. Mike's not here. You want me to buy his guns. And now you're escalating. You're losing your shit on me because I won't buy his guns. And I. Like, I'm just here to see my friends. Right. Um. that is really odd yes so that's the end of 2015 at some point like early 2016 Lori Shaver tells deputies that she's been in a relationship with a man named Travis Filmer since early that year so 2016 and that the two had planned to marry so this is the thing we don't really know why the authorities were interviewing Lori yeah. And why she, you know, had said that like, oh, I'm I'm with this new guy and I'm going to marry him because Michael hasn't been reported missing. Oh, wow. No one knows he's missing at this point in time. It's reasonable to assume that as of November 8th, 2015, Michael Shaver is missing, but no one knows it. And unfortunately, I'm here to tell you no one will know it for years. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. What? Yeah. Nobody like wondered where he was? Well, we'll get to it. Okay. In so we know she was interviewed by law enforcement, but we don't know why. And but but it's documented. Gotcha. So this will come back. Okay. This we will come back to. I'm just kind of going through like timeline, you know. Um, Travis Filmer was a student life coordinator with the Real Life Christian Church. On April 20th, 2016, Mike sent a text message as a reply to a friend because a friend reached out like, hey, haven't heard from you in a while. Is everything okay? And the text message said, I'm good. Okay. Just don't feel like talking to anyone now. Dealing with a lot of shit right now. So the friend was like, mm-mm. This isn't written in Michael's normal structure. And this is actually a quote that he posted online that I found. Um, It said, I got a message from Mike in April 2016. It said, I'm good, okay, just don't feel like talking to anyone now, dealing with a lot of shit right now. There isn't a lot Mike wouldn't talk to me about. That message is also a bit more aggressive than he usually ever was, even when stressed. He was also funny on how sentences would flow, so the redundancy of the message isn't like Mike's normal structure. His friend knew him. Yeah. I would know if somebody hijacked your phone. Oh, for sure. I, I think we've even said that on the podcast before. Like, if there wasn't something funny or some, of you know, random meme or something, Desperate I would be cry worried. for help in life. Yeah. Like or an something. emoji. Yeah. Also, if there were grammatical problems, errors that weren't corrected, yeah. I'd know it's not you. Yeah. yeah. I think we could pick, uh, pick up on it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Especially with all the weird shit we say. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if someone was texting very basic, normal, normal things. Mm-hmm. Like, not uh-uh. Report me missing immediately. Yes, I absolutely will. So on July 6th, 2016, Lori had a mediation like stipulation with Capital One where she was ordered to pay back uh, almost $3,000 with with Capital One. And that's important because what ends up happening is that Lori and Michael are still opening credit cards together and she's running up these credit cards, but no one has seen Michael. Oh, Wow. Yeah, I'll get back. I want to talk a little bit about this relationship with Travis Filmer, with Lori. Travis said that he met Lori in the summer of 2016 and that they got married in December 2017. He told investigators that they should be able to find a copy of the divorce um, between her and Michael in the clerk, you know, clerk's like court files. There's no divorce filed, Amber. None. One does not exist. She did not divorce Michael. But also, Travis Filmer is telling police that she that they met in the summer of 2016. But remember how she, the law enforcement, was at her house early, like February 2016. Yeah. And it's documented that she said, I'm in a relationship with Tra- Travis Filmer and we plan to get married. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So those things do not align. That visit's so eerie, though. Like, with, <clears throat> with them, I mean, I'm sure they right. probably didn't. Release I it don't for know. A reason. I don't I, know, but possibly, or I don't know if they were there just to serve her something, like because of the credit card debts, because she was in, she was going to court okay. over the running up the credit cards and not paying on them, like stuff. So I don't know if they really, maybe, were just there to serve something. I don't know. Yeah. Did someone see her driving drunk and report it? So they're there to talk to her about that. Very possible. We don't know. From August first to August twenty second, two thousand and sixteen, Mike's Discover card was racked up to $3,088, and records indicate that the card was issued August 1st, 2016. So literally in three weeks, she put $3,000 on this credit card in Mike's name. 
Wow. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, though, is that their court records show that Mike had been a card holder with Capital One since 2014. So it's like, did she open a new card or is this like two cards mixed together and it's an entire balance? We're not sure. But there's not a signature for Michael on the applications of those cards. That's a little Very suspicious. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then on November 16th, 2016, Discover Bank sent out, sent to Mike a civil, like civil order cover sheet. A person tried to, you know, serve a summons, serve this court paperwork, said that he, this person said that they showed up at Michael Shaver's home and honked, but the gate was locked and no one came out. The person serving the notice left behind a business card. Days later, he got a voicemail from Lori Shaver, who said her husband hasn't lived there since 2014 when he was arrested for battery with a firearm. That's untrue. He he had lived yeah. there. He got put into a treatment program that he successfully completed, completed in mm-hmm. May 2015. She told the person that was trying to serve this paperwork she doesn't know where Mike's living. On December 31st, 2016, Lori married Travis Filmer at the home on Shady Pines Road that she had bought with Michael. What? Right. Okay, that's kind of creepy. It gets creepier. Okay. I was going to say, it's getting pretty creepy, but... Be prepared. They got married. There's photos of it. They got married right near a fire pit on the property. Travis had even, you know, put on his Facebook page that he had married her. Okay. I would not be okay with this. On April 7th, so now, so that was 2016, December 31st, 2016. On April 7th, 2017, Discover Bank, the case that they had against Michael for the past due credit card, is dropped because the summons couldn't be legally served to him. No oh. one no one can find him. Wow. Mm-hmm. So they just had to be like, we they dropped can't it find the guy. They couldn't legally do process. Yeah. Oh my gosh. May 9th, 2017. So that's all it takes, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I'm over here taking notes. That's funny. On the credit card thing. Yes. Yeah, right, right. Yes. Yep. (laughs) Just to clarify. Oh, shit. May 9th, 2017, Travis Filmer changed his Facebook profile cover image to a photo of him and Lori holding hands and praying over the Bible. Oh, it's a beautiful Uh, photo. I'll show you. I will need to see this for sure. Yes, they're on a, a black and white checkered. Blanket. The Bible is right there. They're hair, they're holding hands. Their foreheads mm. are with one another. Beautiful, praying over the country the backscape. Yes. Yep. yep. Beautiful. On June nineteenth, two thousand and seventeen, well, Travis- her husband is dead somewhere. I'm mm-hmm. assuming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could be so creepy. Right on top of it. Yeah. We don't know. Oh my god. On June 19th, 2017, Travis's mother posted a photo from Lori and Travis's big day to her Facebook page. She announced that the couple were expecting a baby, her grandchild, and that it was going to be due in February. So this was, and this is in June, so like she could have only been like weeks pregnant because she's already posting about it, right? Then August 6, 2017, Lori's grandmother passes away and her and Travis in the obituary are noted as being married. But again, there is no record that she was ever divorced. From Michael. Michael, yeah. Mm-hmm. On November 14th, 2017, Michael Shaver's Facebook was updated. Quote, Mike posted a photo of a gun to his page 
And the post was made literally two years and one week after the last confirmed sighting of him. But he's updating his Facebook page. January 2nd, 2018, Mike updates his Facebook account again. This is a group. He's not in the picture, but it's a group at a bar drinking. Well, a Google search that was done by, I think it was a family member, found the photo real quick on Instagram with an account um, with the handle Sportsman Redneck Juice. So it was just like a, which that's an amazing uh, <laughs> Sportsman Redneck name, Juice. Oh, by the way, let's acknowledge mm-hmm. yep, that. Absolutely. First and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, so sh- somebody just yanked it off the, basically off Correct. of a, a site. Let's just say what we're going to say. Lori yanked it off from an <laughs> Instagram account <laughs> Thank you. and posted it on Mike's page as if he's just living his best life with his friends, drinking and dealing with guns. Yeah. Love, you know. In no the big meantime, deal. no pictures of his kids or like anything like that. No one's talked to him, but he's just like Correct. still out with yep. random friends yep. drinking. Drinking it up. Sportsman redneck yeah. juice. And I'm sure nobody thought that this was odd. Right, right. January 18th, 2018, Lori gave birth to her first child with Travis. And then around February 2018, Michael's best friend, Scott uh, Amasuto. Amasuto? Hmm. Sorry, Scott. You tried. Your first name's way easier. You tried. He started to talk to other friends and Michael's sister, and they all come together and realize no one has physically seen Michael since 2015, even though that entire time his Facebook and social media accounts had been updated regularly. Wow. And responding to things regularly. I'm just... I guess I'm just in shock that it took, I'm not judging, I guess, his, but like. Amber, his phone was still active. Text messages were still being sent by I guess, it. you know, as time goes on, if you're hearing from him or something, you, maybe you're not thinking about, I haven't seen him. You know, may, yep. maybe, but it please took, don't let that much time go on I before you not, search Before for me. I physically see yes. you in person. <laughs> First of all, we see each other almost daily. That's so it'd true. be super weird. <laughs> That's if true. Not, but. But. Yes, yeah, they all get years. together and they're like, no, I mean, I haven't seen him. Like, I talked to him, right, but I haven't, but I seen, haven't him. seen him. And they're like, wait, what do you mean? Wait. They all realized no one had physically laid eyes on Michael. Well, But in the meantime, his wife is just, and no one like knows, like, here his wife is on social media, just married to this other Living man. Living her best life. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh my gosh, this is, you're right, it gets creepy. And that is when the one friend was like, you know what? I went to Michael's house in November 2015. Mike wasn't there at all. And Lori said that Michael had gotten into a black sports utility vehicle and never returned. And then that friend was like, and you know what else I noticed? I noticed that there was a new cement slab and a fire pit in the backyard that wasn't there before. Oh my gosh, stop. On February 16th, 2018, Scott, the best friend, reports Michael missing. Scott told the police that he hadn't seen Michael in years. He said, I, for a while I chalked it up to busy lives, but in mid-February he asked deputies for a well check on the 36-year-old man. Were he they... told deputies... Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I, was she just claiming he, he up and left yep. so nobody actually Abandoned knew? his kids and her and left. Wow. Black sports utility vehicle. Yep. He told the police, so Scott told the police, I got this gut-wrenching feeling that something is not right. 
he said, he explained to the investigators, um, he said that they met with his, you know, investigators went to their home and she says, you know what? I haven't seen my husband since 2015. They said at first, Lori Shaver invited them in to talk and quote, upon speaking to her for a few minutes, the conversation ended up making its way outside the home, at which point she stopped being cooperative and she requested her attorney. And according to True Crime Daily blog, um, that was a quote from Lieutenant John Harrell at the sheriff's office. Did they ask to go outside? Yes. And she's like, okay. And she's like, nope, we're done here. We done. Wow. Wow. Another law enforcement officer spoke out about interviewing her that day. She said, you know, quote, my understanding is that their conversation went outside, meaning the deputies and Lori to the back of the house, and that's when it abruptly stopped. We were no longer allowed to access any part of the property after that, end quote. And that was Sergeant Fred Jones. And she got married there? She got married on top of Oh, my God. They end up finding him on top of What? Like, right. This woman is twisted. Mm -hmm. Wow. When deputies went to the house, she was fine with them searching the home, like I said. But when they were asking about that concrete slab, that's she when she She got a little wanted, uncomfortable. Yep, that's when she wanted her lawyer. Here's what the deputies had to say, though. Quote, upon walking up to the concrete slab, a three-foot by six-foot depression was noticed immediately. The depression appeared to have a browning discoloration and resembled a shallow grave beneath the slab. It wasn't even done correctly. Oh my God. So like she just had it very carelessly covered Mm -hmm. with some cement. A layer of newer concrete had been poured over the depression that had had happened to try to, you know, fix it. But it was shoddy worksmanship, um, the deputy said. It was not smooth at all. He figured the slab was only like two inches thick. I mean, that's really not for concrete, that slip. Oh, gosh. So another deputy wrote in his report that literally, quote, you can almost make out the shape of a body and oh the my. direction that no. it's laying. No. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it was just like a light, gla- literally, like, yes. over him. They didn't yes. need, no one. Yes. Oh, my a shallow God. grave. Shallow. Concrete's expensive. So we're only going to put two inches Two inches is not going to cover up the... Did she even the... bury dirt over him or just I'd... pour concrete no, over... Oh I my think God. it's just concrete. That's messed up. Lori told the police that she said the slab used to be part of a chicken coop, and when they got rid of the chickens, they had just planned to dig out the area for a pond. When deputies flat out asked her, is Mike buried beneath the slab? She said, no, that's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, is it? Is it so? Because I can almost see him. His body and the direction his body is laying. Oh my God, I cannot get over this. So March 1st, 2018, she attains a return. She attains a returnee. She <laughs> retains an attorney, Jeff Wiggs. That's who's representing her. He's probably like, fuck. Fuck at thee is what Jeff Wiggs is saying. I got to defend this. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, On March 9th, 2018, deputies armed with search warrants hunted all day for clues into the disappearance of Michael Shaver. A cadaver dog was brought in from the county sheriff's office. 
the cadaver dog alerted two times in the area outside of the home. The cement Mm -hmm. slab, maybe? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I'm shocked. So they used ground-penetrating radar shovels in a backhoe where the cadaver dog (laughs) had. Do you think that day they were like, all right, let's pretend to look around the property and then we'll just... Go to the slab. Go to the slab. Well, Give it two minutes, this guys. This is the problem. So the dog actually pinned in an area like next to the slab, kind of. And so they dug there and didn't find anything. But then at like 5.05 p.m., they're like, okay. <laughs> let's Enough stop. is enough. Let's let's go to the slab. Let's go to the slab. It's time to break this baby ab- apart. And they eventually unearthed um, a human upper arm bone first. Now, investigators were able to identify it as a human with the help of forensic anthropologists from the University of Florida, but it took quite some time to actually confirm that it was through DNA. They used his father's DNA, actually, to confirm that it was Michael Shaver. Poor Michael. So, uh, yeah. On March 10th, they did find the additional remains and clothing, and Lori was named as the person of interest. How are you going to bury your husband in the backyard and not be worried that he will haunt you? Seriously. Yes. The She must like, have saged a lot or something. <laughs> something. How I are you going to do that? I mean. Or pure evil isn't scared of such things. Someone I does that. I am haunting them. I am haunting the, the rest fuck of, out their of days. anybody who murders me. Absolutely. And your ancestors that cometh afterwards. Yes. <laughs> that cometh. Yes. <laughs> okay. So like gener- we're talking generational of, hauntings. Yeah, I have all of eternity. Yeah. I will generationally haunt your entire Absolutely. family. Absolutely. That's what they say happened to Al Capone. One of his yes. victims haunted him until he went mad. Right. I will make that. them all go mad. Should do that case. That would be a good I one. practically make the people who are living around me mad. I can right. certainly do it when oh I'm my dead. Gosh. I am haunting anyone yes. that comes after me, but... No, that's just, oh my gosh. Okay, I'm going to have questions, but I'll let you carry on. I know. So it wasn't until June 15th, 2018, that they were able to confirm the remains belonged to Michael. Now, Michael's dad, Douglas Shaver, lived in Georgia. So that's another like convolution of the case is that their family was kind of scattered all over. So it's not like they regularly met up. Sure. I was thinking that. I was like, I could see how if you didn't, you you know, if you lived a ways away from family or friends. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, that I could see how it could happen. Yep. You know. Yep. October 12th, the bank starts to foreclose on the house. All right. And Lori didn't respond to the foreclosure until November 15th and then put out a statement that, quote, were it not for the slander and interference of both law enforcement and the news media, the respondent could have fulfilled her contractual obligations. Oh, darn it. So had it not been for the fact that I was named a person of interest in the murder of my husband whose remains were found in my backyard, I would have been able to make my mortgage payments. <laughs> it's but totally their fault. But because of my own poor choices, you have to foreclose on my home now. These darn law enforcement people. Yes. Investigating a murder at my house. I couldn't find a job because everyone knew I murdered my husband. Oh, my Allegedly. (laughs) His remains were found in my backyard, but I allegedly (laughs) murdered him. I don't know why they're looking at me. Right. God dang it. If I had a dollar for every time a husband was found in a wife's backyard. They they didn't question. Murder him. Oh, my Uh, gosh. Many people. Have questions. I know this is one of your questions. 
Many people have questioned, okay, how did Michael's family and friends not miss him sooner? So Stacy Shaver, Mike's sister, had actually reached out to True Crime Daily's blog and said, listen, as his family, we tried to find him by ourselves without involving the authorities, but that thing that he was married to led everyone to believe that he just took off and didn't want to be bothered. We didn't know at the time she was a sociopath, and we have tried hundreds of times to find him. So the problem is, just like we have seen in other cases as well, you have a sociopath who is legitimately pretending to be this person and making you believe that this person doesn't want to talk to you, doesn't want a relationship. He walked away. Like all these messages and these Facebook updates and everything, she is the one running all that and they don't realize it. And they legitimately think that he left his family and doesn't want to be contacted get it this is why people need more uh true crime in their lives because if if i got here and matt said oh she took off in a black car she wanted to go sports utility vehicle and abandoned her family drop to the ground right now right yeah exactly drop to the ground you're under arrest i am arresting you right now no authority but this is a citizen's (laughs) arrest you have the right to remain silent that's right anything that you say can and will be used against you on social media and my statement to the picture him him blank staring at me like for sure you're crazy i'm not getting on the but no i could actually see you being like Freeze. Stop! Right. <laughs> this is a citizen's arrest. <laughs> I know you did it. You stay right there. I'm calling the cops. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I, I get it. But then at the same time, like, it's to us suspicious. But I'm right. sure as it's Yeah, to the families, like, you don't understand. She had his phone. She had his social media accounts. She made us believe that it was he him. was going through shit and didn't want to be found or be contacted. Right, right. Which probably hurt. To hear that I'm from sure, a family they, member, like they're like, okay. fuck off, right, right. Like I, you know, I can't I don't say know. I wouldn't do the same. Like with my brother, or I was just gonna if say he's if, like, if I want to be left like, alone. Yeah, yeah. What like, are you gonna do? Okay. Force yourself on him? He lives a state away, right? You know? Right. So I get it. Yeah, I do. So one of the True Crime Daily's group members actually was like, "Listen, is there a reason why the family didn't want the police involved? Because they, you know, the sister had said like we were trying to find him on our own. Um, one of the family members said we kept getting told that we couldn't do anything without proper identification like social security numbers and things like that so then another member in true crime daily was like why did they take the friends information then and not the family like and the family did go to the police the sister stacy shaver replied and said they took the friends info because it was for a well check not a missing person the family was trying to report him as a missing person and they're like but he's not missing. You guys are having contact with him. Oh, yeah. Okay. He's updating gotcha. his Facebook accounts. He's an adult. He can tell you all to fuck off if he wants to. So it's they weren't reporting it as a well check. They were reporting it as missing person. And there was no evidence really that he was missing I... aside from we haven't physically seen him. Well, maybe he doesn't want to fucking see you. Right. Right. I get it. Yeah. So now when once I read that, I was like, oh, Ding, ding, ding. Makes sense. I get it. Whereas the friend's like, I haven't seen my friend in years. Can you please do a wellness check? This is where he lives. And it was then that they did that wellness check that they were like, something's not right. As soon as I saw because that I slab. Because I think I can see a body yeah, in that like, slab. Like literally can see him yes. in the slab. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. All right. You know my biggest question here. Okay. Tell me how Travis, tell me Travis didn't know. So I can. So that part really has not come out. We know that 
They no longer live at Shaney Pines Road. I mean, they were foreclosed on. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's going to be something that eventually comes out in the trial. Like, you got married over the shape of a body in the right. backyard. Like, how did you not know? It Please. was right next I to you. I need to know if you You got married next to the fire pit that's on top right. of the cement slab. Your like, wife is updating his Facebook or social media is like, yep. Still, tell me how he didn't know. Another family member had actually even said too to the media, we didn't want to get the authorities like keep pestering the authorities because we knew he was having marital problems, which there was evidence, you know, of that leading up to his murder. And then they see her on social media like getting married and all that stuff. So they're like, we really did believe that he was. He just left. Yeah, and that he was really struggling with all this with her marrying another man and all that stuff, and that he really did just want to be left alone. Yeah, like he was going through some stuff. So Lori has been reached out to by media outlets for comment. And she doesn't talk to the media, but her attorney, Jeff Wiggs, has responded with, she doesn't know who did this crime or how it happened. He had a lot of enemies, and he was not liked by a lot of people. Oh, my God. But they're just going to bury him in his own backyard, which was also her own backyard, and just be there, and she had no idea. When was she going to notice that someone had come and made a cute concrete patio right. with a fire pit for her? Like, and not oh, question this it. for me? When he supposedly has a lot of enemies, I know my enemies probably aren't building me a concrete slab with a fire pit you, on it. You know this attorney is just like drinking a lot. For sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yep. Wow. So... The update that I'm sure you've been waiting for me to say this most of this podcast. September 17th, 2020. Now, remember, he was discovered. His remains were identified 2018. Yeah. 2020, Lori Shaver is arrested. Wow. Yes. How? And she was being lodged in a jail without bond. Then December 4th, 2020, she pled not guilty. And at that point in time, the judge, this is a quote, the standard bond schedule for the Fifth Circuit Court is $50,000 for the charge of murder in the second degree. I think that's appropriate. So Judge Richard uh, Singletree let her out on the $50,000 bond. She's ordered to wear an ankle monitor and have no contact with her husband's family. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So wow. she is, she's not Lori Shaver now. She's known as Lori Filmer from, you know, remarrying and whatnot. So Michael. Was she still with, was she still with as far Travis? As, as far as we know, she, in March 2020, so this is before she was arrested, she did a YouTube video seeking donations for her defense attorney. She hadn't been arrested yet, but she was like on YouTube, like literally saying YouTube, excuse me. Literally saying, I would never cause any harm to the father of my children. And she said, I know there's a lot of people out there that are trying to paint this picture of me, but that's not me. I'm loving. I'm caring. I have a servitude heart. I don't judge people. I accept all. And I always try to see the good in everybody. That might well be true, but it's still also possible you that you can still be a murderer and have good qualities. Which I haven't said yet, but... The cause of death was determined to be a single gunshot wound to the head. Uh, Remember the neighbor before the year that he went missing talked about how he witnessed them shooting in the backyard like, for fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we do know that Lori Filmer 
enjoys at a gun, at a gun yep. enjoys shooting, knows how to use it, and if she's been practicing, is probably a pretty damn good aim. Mm-hmm. I'm not <laughs> saying, but I'm saying, right? Okay. Oh my goodness! Um, wow. So, so this is all still unfolding. It sounds like, right? Yes, yes. In one of the, in the bond hearing, Lori had actually said to the prosecutor, um, "You know, you never asked me how the body." Like how this body wound up in the backyard. And the prosecutor's like, you're right. I didn't. I specifically stated that we don't need to talk about it. It's none of my business. Because he's like, however you say that body ended up in the backyard is not going to be truthful or accurate anyway. So there was no reason for me to ask you. Why would I ask you? You're going to lie. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So currently she's out on bond. Her trial date, we don't have a trial date. I could not find information of when her trial, I, I believe it's supposed to start this year. But wow. I, I, we don't have justice for this man in this case. She's facing charges of second degree murder and an accessory after the fact to second degree murder. So I don't know. I don't know if Travis is involved. I, uh, you know, the mm-hmm. love, the new husband, uh-huh. we, we don't know. So, so this all... is another case that I'm really hoping that we could do a, a good update for, but I can't find a trial date. Nothing. Wow. Yeah. That's a long time. A really long to time. To keep his stuff he, up. Like he was to, still there. From 2015 to 2018. Uh, November 2015 was the last time you know, that we can really say when he was clocking out of work, November 8th, 2015, the last time anybody really officially saw him alive. But Lori's given so many different variations of when her husband left. She told that one, the server that was from the bank that was trying to serve that summons or whatever, that her last time she saw her husband was in October, 2014 when he, yeah, you know, was arrested for that domestic violence charge that he was like, yeah, some, okay, if somebody's got to go to jail, arrest me so CPS doesn't come and take the kids because we're both, we were both being violent with each other. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, it's just, I look, it's so long, like between, it's so hard to fathom, like not realizing that someone is missing for two years and then you've got, then they have to wait. It's another two years before they actually arrest her. Now it's been another two years. I'm sure COVID did not help any of these situations either from 2020 on in terms of getting her trial, yeah. you know, going. Yeah. But yeah. So. Wow. I'll provide an update when I, I can. I am eager to see how this unfolds yeah. and, and get the updates yep. on it. I have the Google alert set for. Oh, good. For her name for the keywords. So. And I thought that. This was just fitting. This was sent to us by a Patreon as well for brain bath purposes. But it's really just fitting for what we were talking about with, you know, Lori's uh, lawyer, defense lawyer, Mr. Wiggs there being like, oh, God. <laughs> God. Okay. Good God. Yep. Um, this is from Observe.com. And the title of it is Real Life Stories of Lawyers' Dumbest Clients. Oh, this should be good. Yep. Yep. This one said that they had a person who, a client, who was up for assaulting an, on an assault charge, and they wore a natural-born killer shirt to the hearing. Oh, <laughs> lovely. And the lawyer's like, I had him turn it inside out, but he went down anyway because, you know, he did actually assault someone, not just wear it on his you, shirt. You know, I I think we both can... Uh, attest to 
what people will wear to court. Oh, yes. You are, you'd be amazed at what they'll walk in My with. favorite are the drug charges, and they walk in with a blunt on their shirt yeah. or a yeah. marijuana leaf or booze. Um, the Bud Light t-shirts, oh, like for the sure. NASCAR Budweiser t-shirts and stuff, those are great in Always all good. the DUI hearings. Bathing suit cover once. Yes. I've, yes. Yep. Listen, mm-hmm. bitch has got to get her tan on. She has no time for her I'm court I'm not going to go change after court. Are no. you kidding me? No, no, no. Nope. This client said, so a client called and he's like, listen, you're being questioned by the police. Don't say anything until I get there. By the time he got there, the dude had confessed to a crime that he was not being investigated for. Oh my God. <laughs> like, no, like, I didn't talk. do this one, but I did shoplift from a 7 Eleven. That would be me. Yes. It would. Yep. Oh gosh, this okay, next fine. one is about 7 Eleven. That was weird. <laughs> so, what a great lead in. This, this one said, not my client, but I was on the prosecutor's side when a defendant failed to appear for court. His attorney can't reach him. Nobody knows where he is. So we all sit there for about a half an hour until the judge gets sick of it and moves on with the docket. We find out later that day that the defendant had decided to rob a 7-Eleven the night before and was sitting in jail two counties over when he should have been in court. Just like perpetually cannot stay out of trouble. Mm -hmm. So this one said a defendant robbed his friends at gunpoint in their home wearing a Halloween mask that he had shown them the day before. And was wearing a short sleeve shirt that displayed his distinctive sleeve of tattoos. Cool. Way to think that here's, one through. Here's this Halloween mask. Isn't it cool, guys? Then the next day, <laughs> I'm going to rob you at gunpoint with the same mask and all of oh my tattoos my showing. Yes. <laughs> They're like, we know it's you. Uh, this next one. I represent clients uh, before the IRS. And I had a couple who owed around $250,000 in back taxes. We had no defense, so the only thing to do was have the clients meet with the IRS and plead for um, leniency. Well, the wife got arrogant with the IRS agent and at one point stood up and screamed at the IRS agent, who was a pretty decent person making a very middle-class wage. You'll take away my Mercedes. You'll (laughs) take... This would be me. You'll take away my Mercedes over my dead body. And then she stormed out of the conference room. Needless to say, she lost her Mercedes. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> just start, like you can't just leave the IRS. Like, you know, I get, I get it. Being salty, the man gets his gun. Yes, I get it. But I like that the even the lawyer was like, this IRS agent was actually a really decent person and not trying to be shitty at right. all. And just like, you'll you take my Mercedes <laughs> over my dead body. Oh. Uh, This one says, my dad was a lawyer in the Navy. One of his first big cases was defending a guy accused of falling asleep at his post during Vietnam. My dad was well psyched. uh, Sorry. My dad was all psyched delivering what he thought was a well-prepared defense to the judge. The judge interrupted him, telling him to turn around and wake his client up. Oh, God. (laughs) No. Literally, the guy is on trial for falling asleep. During his post in Vietnam, and he's literally his client oh is falling gosh. asleep. This and is my favorite story ever. Right? Like, how do you? Like, if you had that? one job, just, just stay awake. Stay awake. He probably has narcolepsy. Can we get the man <laughs> tested? Oh my god! Yeah, isn't that funny? Of all the places to right, fall asleep, right? You're in court when you're on <laughs> trial for falling asleep. Like, that is priceless. Oh gosh, yes. So there's there's that. Wow, those were good. I like just little snippets sometimes to read them. If you liked those for our um, 
Patreons, we do do, we do do, we do do, <laughs> we do do a uh, brain bath only episode every month. That's uh, about an hour long of nothing but funny shit. So yeah, we did, um, what did we do last? Grocery store. That mishaps. was a good one. It was. It that was. was good. That was last month. So, you know, you can jump over to Patreon, see what you're missing there. We've also added um, some mini episodes to our uh, top tier $10 a month patreons they get brain bath only episodes bonus episodes and mini sods now little so. juicy minis little juicy minis mm-hmm. as we're calling them yes so there's that check that out crimecuriouspatreon.com if you're interested and otherwise hey send us case suggestions crimecurious at yahoo.com please put in the subject heading case suggestion so it's easier for us to search those also and, while i'm thinking of it we've yeah. had several uh new patreons who haven't uh Join the group yet? Yeah, our Facebook group. Um, if you feel like something's missing in your life, it's probably the gift that you will receive as you join that group. Right. I Personalized so. gift. That's right. Welcoming you. Yes. So yeah. please, if please you, join the if group. If you are a Patreon, search on Facebook for Crime Curious Patreon only Facebook group and join us. Yeah. Join the family. You'll get a greeting into the group. It's fun. We do updates in there. It's great. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everyone, until next time, keep it curious, keep listening, and we hope that you have a great rest of your day, night, whatever it is that you're listening to us right now. (laughs) Bye-bye. Awkward. (laughs) 